Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all. And I want to have a conversation with you tonight about how we live this life that is in Christ Jesus. And we're taking it from the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a very, I like to say it's a homey book. That is, uh, you will not find in the book of Proverbs any reference to, what can I call it, uh, religious ritual. And, and I say that positively. I mean, there's no reference here to going to church. That doesn't mean going to church is wrong. It means Proverbs doesn't deal with that. It, it doesn't deal with having a sort of quiet time of prayer and Bible study uh, or Bible groups in your home, anything like that. It's 100% about living your life in the home, in the relationship with your neighbor, dealing with people on the job and in the street. It, it, it deals, in fact, with how you do your job, uh, how you fulfill your ambitions, uh, whether you're a lazy bum who gets up at noon or whether you take every opportunity to live life to the full. That That's... That's the book of Proverbs. It doesn't even deal with the great issues of salvation. It doesn't deal with any idea of where will you spend eternity sort of question. It just deals with getting on and living this life in the very ordinary and simple of our experience. In fact, most of the persons who are referred to in the book of Proverbs most of its readers would be ranchers or farmhands because Israel was an agricultural community. And so the references uh, fit that. And um, so it means you go to work. How do you live this life in Christ at work? How do you relate to your boss? And how do you relate to that person next to you online who just is, is a pain to work with? It's all there in the book of Proverbs. And so let, let's read. Um, and I want to read from verse 5 of chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So this way of life he describes, it, it deals with my, my core person where I acknowledge the Lord and where I walk with the Lord. But it also deals with my mental state. It deals with my emotional, my my. The, the mood, the attitude that I have, right down to, it says, that the, living this life in the way he's outlining will actually be health to all my flesh. It will be the strength of my bones. I, I, will, I will know physical health through living this life. And incidentally, that is proven scientifically in the best science uh, of the last 50 years. So what's it say? In all your ways, in all your ways, what are ways? I want you to listen carefully. I'm going to go through a number of words that are in this passage so we can get an idea of what the Lord is saying to us. In all your ways, a way we would say it was a pathway that was worn by continual treading. You see, in the Old Testament, you didn't have 
asphalt paved roads. You didn't have cement uh, paths on which to walk alongside of the road. If there was a path, it was because everybody had used that and your cattle had used it and and, and all your neighbors had used it. And so you you wore the path. You, You made the path by your treading that path. And that is exactly what this word means. And it's very important to to note that. But he's talking about the pathways, the ways of my life, not simply the path that I make from my back door um, uh, across the green to the grocery store. This is, is the paths of life. Now, please come with me here. This is very important. Do you know that the choices we continually make, the thoughts that we continually think, the attitudes made up of many thoughts all bunched together that we continually hold, they do actually tread and make a path, literally, physically, in our brain. Did you know that? There are literal pathways in your brain. In fact, there's a whole village in your brain that has been created by your thoughts and your attitudes. And and it's not an invisible thing. It's not a make-believe magic thing. You you can trace it. You can see it. It, it, It's there. you, You actually built it with thoughts. And so understand this. When it's talking about the pathways of life, we're, we're talking about something literal inside of us. We, we, we make these pathways within us that become the very pathways of our life by our thoughts. And our thoughts then come to some kind of commitment in words, words that first of all are spoken inside of us and are sort of laying down the foundation of those paths inside of us. And that becomes then a solid commitment, a choice. And that usually is attended by a word that we speak, which then in its vibration goes all through our entire body and announces it to the world. And that is followed by physical actions and doings. Of all the possible things we could do, we collapse all the possible to do that one thing that we choose to do. And that makes a pathway along which we walk. You can think about that for a few weeks and you'll realize that's absolutely true. It's not only scientific, it's not only part of the Word of God, but yeah, it it, it is so. Now, this word in the Hebrew, let's keep on with this word, that is translated here as your way or the pathway on which you walk because you've made the pathway by continual treading it. Now, in the Hebrew language, if you go into a Bible, a Hebrew dictionary, you will find that this word is in a bigger family of words. And the word that's very closely linked to this one is one that is translated in our Bibles usually as tread. Tread. Do you remember it's back in Joshua and uh, in Deuteronomy, those books that talk about Israel going into the land of Canaan? It says, wherever the sole of your foot shall tread. Do you remember that? It says, I've given you this inheritance. Go take it. And wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, it's yours. And that word tread is linked into this. Tread Putting the sole of your foot down is what makes the pathway. So the two are very, very close together. Now that's interesting. He's talking about life here, but he said life is made up of putting your foot down. And oh, so, so definitive, isn't it? It says the sole of your foot. I mean, that's your whole jolly foot put down. And you tread down. And as you tread, then the pathway is made. Now, treading. Now, that's, let's be careful here what we're talking about. 
And, and as I say, in those books of Deuteronomy, Joshua, they make a lot of it. Treading. What's treading? Well, it's not a meaningless stroll. Do you do, do that? Um, you just go out for a stroll. You really don't know exactly where you're going, sort of, generally, perhaps, maybe. You, you just sort of meander out there, and, and there's no, you're not striding, you're not treading. You just sort of let your feet hit the ground and take you where we, we will. It, it's, it's a stroll. There's no purpose to life. You just happenstance on things and you just turn this corner, decide that one, and you end up sooner or later back at home. It's a stroll. Well, that's not this word. Life is not a meaningless stroll without purpose. It's a treading, okay? Nor is treading, how can I put this, the avoidance of life. It's not resisting the putting your foot down. You know what I mean? It's the person, they're almost doing the moonwalk. You know, they're going forward, going backward. They know they've got to do this, but they don't want to do it. And, and, and they're dragging. That's another good word for this. They're dragging. The, the, and we say it, don't we? Drag their feet. It's, it's, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go there, but I've got to do it. And so I drag my feet. And it's two steps forward, three steps backward. I, there are many who do not want to be in work. And so as the hour approaches to go to work, they find all excuses to be late and they, they drag themselves and they get into conversations and whatever, anything, anything rather than do this. They walk backwards in life. <clears throat> it's, um, no, that, that, that's, that's not living, is it, at all? That, that's, well, I don't know what it is. It, and, and, but it, that, that's not this word. That's not treading. Nor, and this is important, nor is this word treading <clears throat> talking about timid. What could I say? Walking on tiptoe? It's um, walking on eggshells? It's, uh, it's, it's timidly going forward, but you, you have the mentality that you're a trespasser here. You know, I'm not supposed to be here. Or, or you look at what you're doing and you, you feel, I'm not up to this. I, I don't deserve this. I'm unworthy of this. And, and, and you, you have that attitude. There's a a sort of a cowering look to you. You look sometimes like a deer caught in the headlights. Well, it's that's not treading. In fact, you could extend that because it's it's there in those books when they use this word tread a lot. That um, it is not fleeing from your enemy. It's quite the reverse. It's being victorious over your enemy. The word tread has in it, in those uh, early books, the idea of crushing the enemy under your feet. It, it, it is taking a hold of the land, the pathway, and, and saying, this is mine, I'm owning it. Well, if, if you're on the run, if you're fleeing from your enemy, if you're, you're looking scared and saying, I don't know if I belong here, this is too big for me. Well, you don't own it. You're, you're admitting this is owned by somebody else. This is owned by the enemy. I've got no right here. You remember the spies who went into the land of Canaan? And of course, they were sent into the land of Canaan to tread the pathway of Israel and say, this is ours. But instead, they, they said, we were like grasshoppers. <clears throat> You've never seen a grasshopper tread. <laughs> Grasshoppers always look apologetic. Grasshoppers always look as if I don't really belong here. And, and they just hop around and go nowhere. Well, said the, the spies, we, we, we feel like grasshoppers. And I'm sure the enemy looked at us as grasshoppers. And so, of course, they did nothing, got nowhere. And the disaster then out of that, they wandered for 40 years. Let me throw this in too that treading is not living in fear of the future. You know, we, we, 
We advance into the future terrified. Maybe I'm back there to the deer caught in the headlights. It's we, 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 we look at the future with anxiety, with terror. All the what-ifs and the could-bes and might-bes. And, and we, 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 we hesitate. That's another good word there. Hesitate. And in, in our timidity, we cower back from the darkness of what the future seems to be. Well, that, that's not this word, you see. Tread marches. Tread puts its foot down. And enough to make a pathway. See, nor, nor is it. Oh, now stop at this one. It's not being chained to the past, the ball and chain. You know, something happened to you 40 years ago, 10 years ago. And, and that's it. You ba- basically, your life stopped then, didn't it? So somebody did something to you, or something didn't work out right. Uh, was it a bankruptcy? Was it a divorce? Was it a broken relationship? What was it? Some terrible upset in family? What, whatever it was, and you came away from that, and you said that that I said, and you, from there on, you defined yourself by that moment, and it's a ball and chain. You can't. You're like a dog on a chain. You, you've worn a path around the tree, but the path is that which determines your limitations. You can't go any further than that because, well, you know what happened, don't you? And every time I try to think of anything, I have to think in terms of that which happened. It, it, it's, it's like this great shadow that is, that, that's my limits. I can only think up to the edge of the shadow. Well, that's not treading. That's being a prisoner. Okay, <laughs> enough of the knots. What is treading? I think I've said it, but to tread is intentional. You don't put wherever the sole of your foot shall tread. I mean, it takes a whole sentence to say what it means. Intentional. You don't put the sole of your foot down by accident. You don't put the sole of your foot down and tread as you go on an afternoon stroll. No, intentional. This and hear this, I, to tread means I own my step. No one's telling me I've got to put my foot down and walk. No, no one's telling me where. No one's dragging me either forward or backward. Nor am I timid. About, none of that. Tread means I own this moment. No one dictates to me how I feel in this moment. No, no one tells me what I've got to do here, what's expected. I don't hear the voices of my ancestors or my peers. I own that this is mine, my moment. And that's why the word is always used in those early books of the Bible to describe God's given inheritance to us. He said, I've given you this land. Now you go and put the sole of your foot upon it and tread it down. Make it yours by pathway. Make your path, your path, right into the middle of your inheritance, whatever anybody says, whatever the situation looks. Make it your own path, without fear, without timidity. Don't you remember that? He said it to Joshua. In the context of this phrase, he said, all I, it says, all I'm telling you, be of good courage. Be, do not be afraid. Over and over, you begin to feel this is overkill. How many times is Joshua to be told, do not be afraid, do not be timid. Do not be afraid of the people that stand in your way, but tread the sole of your feet. Be bold. It's yours to have. Courageous stepping, bold, confident. That's treading. It's walking with purpose. And walking with such purpose, you leave a pathway by constant treading. It's, it's done by a person who's, who's got a purpose. They're going for a reason. Now, he says here... That in all your ways acknowledge the Lord. That means that you are going to make your steps. You're going to tread in tandem, you know, in union with 
the Lord. Do you know how many times this idea is in Scripture? I'm only going to refer to it, and that's it. But you could pursue it. It begins, I believe, in Genesis 5, as early as that, where it says, Enoch walked with God. Isn't that a fascinating expression, especially in the light of what we're saying here. Enoch walked with God. When he trod, he left a pathway in life, but it was his steps enhanced by the Lord's steps. Enoch walked with God, and we never forgot him. Or, what's another one? Well, in the New Testament, it says in 1 John, we are, are, are to walk in life even as Jesus walked. Hmm, same idea, isn't it? And then all through the epistles, you get this, um, well, I'm thinking specifically just off the top of my head in Ephesians 4, it says, walk worthy of this calling to which you've been called. But it's that same thing, walk. And worthy, of course, that's the word that means scales in the balance. And so when the balance, what is on one side, is balanced with the other side, it means they're worthy. Their scales are, it's an old English expression. So, so it means walk worthy. That is walk in perfect harmony with the reality that Christ lives in you. Walk. And another thing, and these is just an aside here, but the word walk in the New Testament um, is used with, with the Greek word which means to walk around and about. Those of you who are listening in Australia, uh, you really know about this. You, in fact, you, you have an expression that's almost 100% what the Greek is saying in the New you, you have a walkabout. We did something like that in England. We didn't have a name for it. But you just take off and walk, and your purpose was to get your head together and get your life together, and you walked until it was so. But, but you, you say in Australia, don't you, uh, walkabout. Um, now, now, when it says walkabout there, it's, it's talking about you, you walk about, you, you go to the mall, and you go to the office, and you go to the school, and you go home, and... You go to the company of believers, and it's a walkabout. You're walking around. So, so this is, again, not talking about full-time ministry. This is, this is just being a regular human in union with Jesus through the Spirit. And as you just walk around, walk about, as, as you do the stuff that normal human beings do, in all your ways, in all these pathways that you make in life, all the pathways that you make in terms of going to the mall and going to the church and going to school and going to the office and going to the factory and going to the home and relating here and relating, all of those pathways, you do them in tandem, in harmony, in union with the Lord. And remember that walk, that tread, it, it, it's a, it begins in your thoughts. That's where it really begins. And, and actually, that's the most powerful. That's where the, the literal, physical pathways in your brain begin to be laid down. And, and then the words that are spoken within you, and sometimes the pictures that come with the words all inside your head. So that, that's not just done, Dave. No, you're laying down pathways inside you. And those pathways come out in choices, and you, you leave a, a pathway in life. It's the way you walk in life, and you leave behind you like the wake of a great ship, and, and people know that's who you are. That's the path that you take. That's it. Now he says, it's rooted in God, rooted in all your ways, acknowledge him. Okay. Are you with me so far? Now acknowledge him. In all these pathways in life, acknowledge him. Well, what does acknowledge mean? Well, acknowledge, what is it? Acknowledge means to give respect to. If, if you're on the street and you see someone and you know them, it's 
respectful to say, hello, you acknowledge that you've seen them. You acknowledge that they are in some way part of your life. You acknowledge their position in your life. You acknowledge them. So the word would mean also recognize. You give recognition to. And if you know someone and you have some input in their life and they walk past you as if you're a piece of wood, then you feel disrespected. And you might go home and say, you know, they didn't even acknowledge I was there. Okay, you get it? It means to take note of. It means to give persons their proper place. And it would also mean to listen to if you're looking for comment on life and someone who knows a bit more about what you're asking than you do and they speak. Well, you acknowledge them. You give them the respect they deserve by listening to them. You know, have you ever given advice to people and the person just doesn't do a thing at all? And you might say, yes, he didn't even acknowledge me. He didn't, he didn't even... Uh, Give me the respect that I know something about it. So, to acknowledge someone is not to disregard them. It means you do not ignore them. It means you're not apathetic, you know. That's something usually we associate with an attitude of teenagers. Not necessarily, but um, sometimes the attitude of a teenager tends to be sullen, apathetic, the turning of a deaf ear, they don't acknowledge. That, that's the word. So he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways. So in all the paths of life, and let me say again, we're not talking about the big stuff of salvation and eternity. We're talking about running the ranch. We're talking about you going to the factory, the office, the mall, the PTA, the right? In all your ways acknowledge him. In all your in all these pathways that you are making in life, recognize that the Lord is with you on the pathway. Acknowledge him. Recognize him. Respect him. Listen to him. We're in this together, you see. Because there's not a pathway in your life without the footprints of Jesus through the Holy Spirit right smack there in the pathway. But now, at the heart of this word acknowledge, even in our English, interestingly, look at the word. Right in the middle of the word is the word no, ac, no ledge, right there, to know. And that, if you look that up in a Hebrew dictionary, it will take you to the family of words on no, which is very big in the whole Bible, because um, what we're talking about is knowing the Lord, and, and therefore you'll find it everywhere in the Scripture. Well, what does the word mean? That is very important. We ask these questions because he's saying here that your life paths, these pathways that, that make up your life, those pathways are an adventure in knowing the Lord. So what, what is this? No, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, know him. Very interesting. It's not intellectual. Oh, that is very upsetting to Western believers, by which I mean those of us who came from Europe, those who are listening to me in Europe and my old country, the UK. Um, we, we are very, very, very intellectual. Very. And... I would say I have spent my life aware of that one fact because I am, by I believe God's gift, I am a student. I mean, I love books. I love books. That's why I don't get along very well with computers because I love the feel of pages. Do you know, I, I even love the smell of books. I love to go into an old library just to be among books. 
And, and, and there's nothing I could spend literally days just poring over researching books. I love it. And so I continually, for the last 60 plus years, I have had to bring myself, as I'm in the process of seeking to inform my brain with truth, I have to stop, close the book, and let the Holy Spirit bring me into relationship. Because it, you can have all the information, you can have all the intellectual grasping, but unless that becomes your life, you know nothing. Zilch. In fact, it becomes hearsay. And you know that hearsay is not acceptable in a court of law. It's, so it's hearsay. So you read a book and somebody said, and somebody said, and somebody else said this, and somebody else said that. So what? So what? What do you know? Do you remember when Pilate, Pontius Pilate, had Jesus stand before him and he addressed Jesus as the king of the Jews, questioning? And, and Jesus replied, do you remember that reply? He said, do you speak this of yourself, that I'm the king of the Jews, do you speak this of yourself, or did another tell it to you concerning me? Wow, what a statement. What a statement. Here you are, Pilate, pacing up and down, representative of the emperor of the whole world. And you remind me I had the power to crucify, blah, 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 blah. And they call you king of the Jews. And Jesus says, well, is that hearsay? <laughs> do, do you know yourself? Have you asked the question yourself concerning me? Have I caused that question to rise within you that is he the king of the Jews? Don't, don't come to me with what somebody said. See, to know in the Bible means first-hand knowledge. Not only first-hand, but hands-on knowledge. Knowledge that is yours because you gleaned it from the situation, from the person. You were there by observation. You heard it yourself. Or I could anticipate what I'll say in a moment. Do, do you know Jesus? Or did someone else tell you what you're supposed to believe? Do you know him? Do you know his love? Or you merely read it in a book? Hearsay? Or knowing, not with the brain, but with your heart you know. Which means there's some things about it you can't explain yet, but you know it personally. And then your heart informs your brain. And that's, that's how we were supposed to be made. You see, okay, let's put it like this. You cannot know, in this biblical sense, you cannot know an historical person. You can only know about them. Here's a second-hand, 200th-hand. I, I mean... I, as a youth, studied Shakespeare. Really so. I, I have acted in just about all of Shakespeare's plays. As a kid, it was no big deal. But I, I had to learn Shakespeare by the page. Had to get into his mind. But I don't know him. I know quite a bit about him. Even been to where he was born, sat in the church where he went, all that sort of stuff. But I don't know him. Do you see the difference? I can't know, and you can't know William Shakespeare. He's gone. The only way you can know a person is now, in this micro moment, this throbbing now. Knowing is a dynamic exchange of heart. Knowing. So, so knowing is internal. No, knowing is not what you see across the room. Knowing is not something you read in the newspaper. Knowing is not an external recitation of facts. You know someone. You know them. 
See, you can see what a person does. That's knowing about them, but to know them means you've sat at the dinner table with them, you've looked into their eyes, you've heard their heart, you've laughed with them, you've seen their tears, you know them. Quite a word. In the matter of learning a trade, this word used to be used. Because in ancient days, learning was not by book. Learning was by doing. You learn something by doing it. And, and taking that doing in, into, yeah, making pathways inside of you so that you no longer had to think much about it because you knew it. And, and, and if you're going to learn a trade, you had to have a personal coach. And it wasn't for a few weeks while you got used to the job. What's the word we we call them apprentice? And there's no, I don't think there's any such thing today. Maybe some of you don't even know what I mean. But let me just tell you that an apprentice. When I was growing up, this was one of the options I had to become a carpenter. Well. To become an apprentice meant that I went to a master carpenter and I would sleep in the, 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 where we had all the tools and the carpenter's bench and where everything was sawed and the sawdust. I'd sleep there underneath the bench if I, if I would become a carpenter. And I would stay with that man, watch his every move, and after a while he would let me do this and let me do that and show me this. And maybe after two years, and incidentally during that time, I, I had my bed under the bench and I ate at the family table, but and maybe a few pennies for pocket money, but I wasn't paid because I was an apprentice. I was learning and at the end of two or even three years I had moved from being an apprentice to actually being called by that which was now my world. I was now called a carpenter. That is, I'm not a chap who bangs a nail in in a piece of wood. I I don't know a bit about how to hang a door. I have become a carpenter. Of course, I had never pursued that. Um, I tried to apprentice myself to persons who could teach me the things of God. Um, That's another story. But Do you understand? We don't have that today. The government wouldn't let it be. But that's how people... That's why when you pick up a piece of furniture made back when I was a kid, it's still as good today as it was then. And it wasn't made by machines and robots. It was not made by somebody who just wants a job and get out of here on Friday. You see, to know, do you understand what to know... It's not that you're playing at carpentry. You're not reading books about carpentry. You, you, you have become a carpenter. That's to know. You are a knower of the trade. To know. To know. And so, um, this this word, it, it means... What what these verses are talking about here is a person who is in personal interaction with the now present Lord. And to us who are in New Testament, it means that we now, now, as I sit here in front of you, at this moment, you and I are in the immediate presence of the Father. And we are so through the revelation of Jesus, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit bringing us into Father and Son, and Father and Son into us. We are in one another. That's to know God. 
That's to know he loved me and gave himself for me. This is not a doctrinal hobby. This, this is walking into life knowing that in him I live, I move, I have my being. I, I cannot think of being alive outside of this union with him. Or as the New Testament says, Christ who is my life. Or I live yet no longer I, it is Christ who lives in me. That, that's, that's knowing. And that's what it means that when we put the sole of our foot down, when we make our choices in life, be they so small, be, be they so every day in my walkabout in world, as I do so, I am doing so in tandem. I'm doing so in conscious exchange and conversation with him. In fact, this, this tread that I'm making, this, this series of thoughts concerning life, I, I am discovering, I'm discovering the heart of this God and having insights and revelation as to who he is and his ways that I couldn't have had anywhere else. It's, it's decisions I make in the mall, in the job, in the school, in the home, that I begin to have a track record. I begin to know him. See, this isn't about good and evil. This is not. Look, the moment you get into this idea, well, this is good, this is evil, I don't like this, I don't like that, this is a bad day, this is a good day, there may be some truth to what you're saying. But essentially that is getting very close to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The, the way that Satan tempted the human race to... Now life, life is not about whether this is good or evil. This, this is, is saying, this is where I am. And, and I suppose you could throw in like it or not. It's it's not a matter of debate, is it? You know, this is where I am. This is where my tread, this is where the sole of my foot, this, this is the pathway, and it has led me to this. But well, we don't debate it. We don't start wanting to walk back down the pathway. We don't sit down by the path and say, I wish I was fishing. Or, or what would you have to Thank God it's Friday. No, 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 no. That's silly. You're here. This is. We don't debate it. Whatever it is, it, we, we is. And the, we, we're not going to pass judgment on it. We're not going to sit and complain about it and say, this is bad, this is evil, this is wrong. How could you do it? Oh, come on, don't be daft. You and I, we, we've come further than that, haven't we? You are here. It is. She did say it. He did do it. The fact is, you've discovered something that is prior to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You've discovered life in Jesus Christ, alive in you now through the Holy Spirit, which means that wherever I find myself, doesn't matter how you might try to define it, Wherever you find yourself, whatever has happened, whatever has been said, you are in Christ. Christ is in you, and you in him, and he in you are going to decide where you tread next. And in that, you will discover the glory of God, as you haven't before, in, in, in this situation. And you will move on and you have grown in wisdom, because that's what life is about. That could be how you treat your workers who have helped you in the harvest on the farm. That could be 
how you interact with your neighbor. It could be a thousand things of what you might say. Well, that doesn't matter. Yes, it does, because they are the paving stones that you're laying down inside of you, which is called life. To know someone is to share your life together. To know someone is to have mutual participation in life. And so I recognize what a recognition, how that recognition takes you above and beyond and transcends the the mere misery of sitting down and complaining and whining and saying, you hurt me and this is bad. And you've transcended into the fact, oh, God, my Father, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit in me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are in me, with me, in this situation. What are you up to? What do you want to give to me in this? What, what great expression of Jesus do you want to live through me in this? See, uh, another attempt at this, though very legalistic, is what would Jesus do? And I've often said, I haven't got a clue what he would do. I mean, he's not a law. It isn't that when this happened, you will always do this. The fact is that living Jesus, who is the revelator of the Father, the giver, the Spirit, is in you to live spontaneously as this moment demands. Hey, look, this this word no is used certainly throughout the Old Testament as a, a sort of shorthand word for the act of marriage. Yeah. Well, what's it say? The first time, was it Genesis chapter 5? It, it, it says, and Adam knew this word, his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Well, there you got it. Yeah, you got two individuals who unite together, and they're going to share life together. They're going to share as a, a covenant union, and in that share, they share their joys, they share their tears, they share their problems, they share their opportunities and challenges, and each brings their part to it. Okay, this word is used of us in our union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which means I share the joy of God and God shares my joys too. I I remember, this is... I don't know how you'll take it, but it's not in my notes for sure, but it occurs to me, so I'll say it. I I was having, actually it was right here in San Antonio years and years ago, and and we had one of the large auditoriums, and it was packed to the rafters, and I I don't know, when I I said we would lay hands on folk afterward, um, we we guesstimated some 5,000 people came and lined up for the laying on of hands. Uh, we, we didn't get away till two in the morning. And, and I, I would go down the line and, and then again and again and, and lay hands on people and wonderful things happened. But I, I was getting tired, <laughs> really tired. And I came and I, as I put my hands upon this person's head, I don't know how to describe it, whether it was just a a flash of revelation or a momentary vision, whatever, it doesn't really matter what you call it, but I I became aware, I saw the hands of Jesus. And in that moment, I, I saw Jesus, and he was the other side of the person. I was behind them, and I put my hands in. He was, and he put his hands until our hands melded together. And I looked, and in that moment, I heard Jesus say, isn't this fun? And it was gone. But I was refreshed and rejuvenated to finish. I've never forgotten that. <laughs> isn't this fun? He, we join his joy. He joins our joy. 
our problems, we simply lay them before him and ask for his wisdom and we listen. I feel the leap of the Spirit within me at opportunities and challenges to know in all your ways, in all of these little pathways that you make in life, the way you handle things, the way you speak, the way you approach life, that have laid down literal pathways in your brain. He said, understand that in all the pathways you unite with him, because that's the truth. You are united, therefore choose to do so. Choose to do this. Recognize him. Choose to be who you are. Choose to let every little tiny part of your life be a celebration of life in him. If you read further, we don't have the time, but further down it talks about this fellow's ranch and about how all his barns were filled after the harvest because his wheat and his barley was blessed. And then it says he had enough grapes to make all the wine and the celebration. And then it says, honor the Lord with the first fruits. That is, he took the top, the first fruits, and he made it an offering to God. Why not? Because we share this ranch together. We share this business. You share this job with him. As has been tested uh, in very modern times, um, the J.C. Penney was one who shared his whole business with, with the Lord, giving away, I, I don't know how much of his uh, off-the-top money. And, and then, uh, especially, uh, uh, you, you've heard of, what's the other one called, Lord and Taylor. Do you know the Lord there is the Lord we're talking about? Taylor made the Lord his partner, or maybe the Lord made Taylor his partner. Oh, yeah. This ministry is supported by people who understand that their paycheck and their business, their whole world of employment is all in a glorious tandem tangle with the Lord. There's no such thing as just Malcolm. This is Malcolm in union with Jesus through the Spirit. That's the only way I can think of myself or think of you. That's who you are. And maybe you need this to wake up and realize it. To when you swing your legs out of bed in the morning, stop and acknowledge, recognize, listen. Hey, how do I think about life? What sort of pathways have I been building? Has it been leaning to my own understanding or building my life, sharing my life? So... See, I, I come into a situation. I'm talking about this chap here in Proverbs. And, and so, so what, what kind of thoughts do I need for this situation? What kind of an attitude do I need? What kind of action is needed? I'm asking that of the Holy Spirit. Because he's going to take the love of God himself that is poured out within me, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to accent one facet of that. I mean, it could be you need long-suffering today. It could, it could be that you need gentleness in this situation. I, you see, your own understanding would say, I've got my rights. Somebody's going to pay for this. And off you go, high horse. And No, 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 no. And that's, yeah, I mean, if you do, you'll build a path for sure. I mean, physical in your brain. But the Holy Spirit says that's not the way to build the town of your life. We, we lay down pathways of gentleness and forgiveness even as we've been forgiven, loving even as Christ has loved me. And so we receive that expression of love through the Holy Spirit and he empowers us to be that and do that. And we mature and we expand our life in Christ as we take his attitude. Yes. Don't look at me like that. It says in scripture, you have the mind of Christ. And in case you've forgotten it, in Philippians, it says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Yes. 
Oh, you thought the gospel was just to be forgiven and not go to hell. Well, let me introduce you to the gospel. The gospel is this incredible relationship, fellowship with the triune God. Worked out step by step as you build new paths. Tread in tandem with his tread. And as to the past, I know how much it hurts. I I know the abuse that you have received. I am in no way making light of it. But I am telling you this, that belongs to Jesus. You have no right to hold on to it. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ with his whole authority behind me. You have no right to hold on to abuse and that which people have done to you or not done to you. For very specifically, with exact words, the scripture says he bore our grief And he carried our sorrow at the cross. And grief and sorrow are two very specific words that cover every kind of abuse that a human can give to a human. And Jesus embraced everything, sucked it up and took it to himself and carried it on the cross So we have no right to cling to it. So what do we do then? We think his thoughts about the matter, which are the same thoughts that he had in the middle of it all, when through every suffering a human could receive while bearing the sin of the world, he said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And therefore, as to the past that is holding you like a dog on a chain and making your path a little tiny circle for these last how many years? Forgive. Forgive the person that hurt you. Forgive your abuser. And when I say forgive, I say in in the biblical meaning of the word, which is not Webster's Dictionary, The biblical meaning of the word forgive is to release. It means uh, you've been holding them. In fact, you've had them jailed inside you. Yes, they've made quite a bit of real estate in your brain. Now, to forgive a person is to open the jail within you and release them in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord and release them to the feet of Jesus. He he will handle them. They're not your bi- you're not their savior. They're not your business. He took it. You can do no more. That's it. Done. Finished. You forgive and you release them to Jesus. And when the old thoughts, we, see that's how we put it, the old thoughts. It, it's the fact we've laid down pathways here and, and so it becomes a natural to rewalk the old pathways. But no, we're building new ones now. And so when you're tempted, I'll use that's about the best word, you're tempted to walk the old path and up it comes again, all that they did. Stop! I've lived this myself, so I can tell you how I handled it. When that, I don't, I've said it out loud. These people or this person doesn't live here anymore. I have no more say in the matter. Their new address is the feet of Lord Jesus Christ. If you need to talk to them, go there. I have no more more dealings here. And you know the miracle? Those pathways in your brain that have made the very pathways of your life, that have made that circle that the dog and the chain walks in? Do you know those pathways actually physically that can be seen? If you know how to look inside your brain, they dissolve, they crumble, they go. 
Or there's a Bible word for that, isn't there? You renew your mind and new thought patterns. That looks upon that, yes, it's a scar, but it's no longer spewing its vile, green mold into your life. You look at it, it's a scar. It happened. It's very sad that it happened. But it's in the past. It stays in the past. It does not control how you live. It doesn't control choices you make today. It doesn't control how you think today, feel today, emote today. No, you live today not acknowledging the past, but acknowledging Jesus Christ in you, the Lord of all pasts, and you have released that past. Somebody actually wrote the story of that abuse in the past onto a balloon, and they went out and they released it. And as the balloon ascended, they said, there, it's gone into the heart of God. Just right off. That's not how you live life. Don't have those paths. Cut the chain. Let the dog run to new pastures. And what about the future? Well, do again what the scripture says. What's David doing in Psalm 23? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Did you notice he says, even though? He doesn't say he is. doesn't say he will. But the thought occurs to him, with everything being as they were when he wrote that, the possibility is very real. And he says, even though, if it comes to that, if the worst I can think of happens, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but he handles it right there before it happens. As normally now we would descend into the, the anxiety of the what if and the could be and the maybe and the perhaps and dear God, what will I do then? He says, if it comes to that, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Even as you are with me now, you will be with me then and I acknowledge you now and I acknowledge you to be there then. And Habakkuk, ever read that little book? Chapter 3 does the same thing. He looks upon the worst that can happen in terms of what the coming Babylonians would just go across their land, kill their cattle, raise their flocks. And and he says, though the fig tree does not blossom, though there be no fruit on the vine, no cattle in the store, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. Did you notice what he said? Though, though, Though there be no fruit on the vine, though the fig tree does not blossom. He didn't say it's happened yet. It's one of those little things that come and says, what if that happens? Well, he said, even though that happens, this is what I'm going to do because I'm doing it now. And I will simply do it then. Because I do not order my life according to circumstances. I order my life according to the Lord who walks And we tread together. And if that happens, if that happens, though this happen, I will rejoice in the Lord my God. Well, there it is. Well, no, it isn't quite. I'm over time. But I've got to say this, because that's not the end of the verse, is it? it? It says, in all your ways, we saw what that means. Acknowledge him, we saw what that means. And he shall direct your paths. Well, now, that's interesting. Paths. I thought we'd been talking about that. Now, this is a different word. This word was in sort of the same. It was a path built by constant treading. But it was more like, what can I say? It was more like an interstate in that this word describes the place where bunches of people walked. Uh, You know, caravans, when many camels or donkeys, bunches of people, lines, and they were the big roads that led somewhere. What we've been talking about, the little pathways, you know, in your little town called you, this is... The great pathway. This is where all the little pathways lead. This is is the, the great future. This is where you're walking. 
I don't know about, maybe the word is destiny. This is, this is where all these paths, all the little choices you make, all, all the little words, all the little attitudes, and they all come together. It's the big path. He says, he shall direct your path. But that word direct, it might even be in the margin of your Bible. <clears throat> it says, it, he makes smooth. Or, or you could say, there, there'll be no barriers. There'll be no diversions on that. No distractions. You will arrive at the goal. You, you will, actually, some have even um, translated that as success and prosperity, meaning you, you will be successful at life. You, you will arrive at a destiny which is... The, a description of Christ in you and you in Christ. That's where that's where you end up. You end, you can look back on your life with contentment. <coughs> you can look back and know that He's been glorified in my life, uh, and He made it smooth. He, he removed the rocks. See, He if if there were potholes, He filled them before I got there. Made it smooth. Well, I'm way over time. I trust that this conversation in Proverbs has been a blessing and will enable you to do just that in all your ways. Acknowledge him and discover as the months and years go by, he makes it smooth and you arrive in success and a prosperous life in Christ Jesus. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, bless you, fill you, overflow you, direct you in and through your life, this day, this week, and to the ages of ages. Amen.